Are you a professional woman who wants to create passive income streams and financial freedom through real estate investing? Join us here on Real Estate Investor Goddesses, hosted by Monique Holm. Listen to women who are rocking it in real estate investments as they share their stories of success, failures, and best advice in real estate investing. Start creating real wealth through real estate. Tune in today. Here's your host, real estate investor, syndicator, and developer, Monique Holm. Welcome to the Real Estate Investor Goddesses podcast. I'm your host, Monique Holm. On this show, I interview badass women that are crushing it in the real estate investing space. And I am super excited to have with me today, Emma Powell. She is certainly no exception to the badass role. She is a passionate real estate investor with her husband of 23 years, Troy. They have been investing and homeschooling six kids. So all of you mamas out there who have been getting to have the taste of homeschooling in the past few months. Imagine time six, but she's crushing it. And they've they've invested as in a variety of deals as a lender, deal sponsor, co-owner, syndicator, property manager. She's a former real estate photographer, a small business project manager with a BS in entrepreneurial management. She has tons of investing experience and I am super excited to have her with us. Welcome, Emma. Thank you. I'm excited to talk to you. I feel like your voice has actually really impacted the way I feel about investing this last year. It's kind of funny you say at the beginning that I'm you're talking to women who are crushing it because I was really struggling with that before I found your podcast and your group because I felt like I should be crushing it and killing it, 10xing it. And I just wasn't happy doing that. Yeah. And I needed to feel more like I was getting passive income and I wasn't out there to crush it. And so your voice of enjoying the journey and not being so caught up in the race itself, it just kind of gave me permission to settle into how I was already feeling and help me identify that that was something I was struggling with. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for saying that. That's the more feminine way, isn't it? Yeah, I prefer it that way. I didn't get into this business to, to hustle and grind. I got into it because I wanted to retire early. We're, we're definitely the financially independent retire early mindset. And that does not go along with miracle mornings at 5 a.m. It's not my thing. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do love the miracle morning. But <laughs> I'll, do, I'll do miracle morning at 7 a.m. But <laughs> sometimes I think it just, it gets too extreme. And there's almost this like, are you man enough to be a real estate investor attitude where we're all like working out two times, 45 minutes a day, wake up at 5 a.m. And he who works harder wins. And I just never really felt like that was a good fit for me, but I felt like to be successful, I had to find that part of myself. And I just have realized, like I said, since listening to your stuff that I don't have to find that part of myself. It's not there. And I can still be successful being true to my own identity and my own feelings. I love that. That's so true. That's so good. So how did you get started in real estate investing? Well, I, Dave Ramsey, honestly, he gets a lot of dumping on in the investor community, but maybe I think Dave Ramsey in some ways really helped us, but in some ways really harmed us. So I'm choosing to focus on the parts that were beneficial to us. So he put the idea in my head that I could be a landlord, that I should have rental houses. And that was a goal that I should have. Now, what slowed me down was him telling me that I need to pay off my house first and then pay cash for a rental. Yeah. <laughs> but often the biggest hurdle you have at the beginning is the belief that you can do something 
and thinking, well, yeah, I'll do this. I just need to figure out how. And so that was a start for us. And then when we finally got off that wagon of having to pay cash for everything, it was was about two, yeah, just a little over two years ago, my husband was laid off. We lived in Austin, Texas for 20 years. He was laid off from his tech startup and it was pretty sudden and unexpected. And we had been remodeling our house and had done a total gut job on it. And I felt like that was going to be a great moneymaker for us. You should see the pictures. I have it on a public Facebook album. We were just basically living in a shack because we lived in it. It was awful. Had a home birth in there. It was Wow. period of our lives. We're just crazy. Two years doing that, lived in it for about six and sold that right before we moved to Salt Lake. And when we got to Salt Lake, because of Dave Rams, we had no debt and we didn't even have a house payment because we sold our house. And we had this pile of cash from all the rehab that we had done on that place. So I showed up. I didn't really want to be a real estate photographer anymore. Just again, getting too old. Camera was starting to hurt my hands and didn't want to rebuild the business from scratch. I did weddings on the weekends and weddings in Salt Lake are very different than weddings in Central Texas. And I just didn't really understand that industry here. And so I started going to small business meetups and came across some real estate investing meetups. And I thought, I think it's time. I've got the cash. Started researching, found RIAs, found bigger pockets, as just started attending all the RIAs and placed that money that we made on our house with a flipper who kept it for about nine or 10 months while we were learning. And then that came back. I started buying up smaller properties, single families and lease optioning them. And then smaller multifamilies, a duplex, a triplex. And I was running out of money. And I told my husband, I said, we might have to just set a goal of buying one property a year. Cause I think we bought five in the first year. And I said, cause I'm running out of money. And he said, well, remember that first RIA you went to where he said, if you can skip residential and go straight to commercial, you should do that. And because I had been researching commercial and multifamily for that whole year thinking, again, somebody gave me permission, put, somebody put the idea in my head that I didn't have to do residential first. I could just go straight to commercial. And I said, well, if we want to, he said, I challenge you to do a deal with zero of your own money. I was like, well, I have to go bigger. I have to 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 yeah. And I haven't done it yet. We still have capital in every deal that we've invested in, but this deal that we're closing in a couple of weeks is the least amount I've invested in any deal that we've been in so far. So we're getting there. Need a little bit more track record. People always say, what skin do you have in the game? Which to me is almost ridiculous because I feel like my time, which is way more valuable. Than- <laughs> yeah. 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 So we're getting to the point where that's a goal. So last year I found a 110 unit that I ended up not getting. They sold it to somebody with more experience. And then a 50 unit that we just closed on in February. And then we've got 34 units under contract in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, that we should be closing on in about two weeks. So that for a while, because of coronavirus, looked like it wasn't going to happen. Lost my investors, had to start over from scratch. It's been a long uphill process trying to save that deal through all of this and make sure it still withstands a stress test of what we're going into. But we negotiated with the seller and, and got everything back on track. And now we're set to close, like I said, in about maybe two weeks or so. Exciting. Yeah. So that's how I got started. And that's how I ended up with the larger multifamily. And our goal this year is to, to, to take down like a hundred unit in one deal. Beautiful. I love that. And a couple months ago, I had somebody on who's also the Dave Ramsey school, but only had bought with debt. I mean, without you know, debt free. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, it's not a bad strategy, but it definitely limits you. Well, he always says that we don't make microwaves here. We make crock pots. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a get rich slow 
technique. And I, I feel like, well, what about uh, maybe a skillet? Can I be, have a skillet? I'm not asking for a microwave, but I would like to, you know, we started, we were 40 already. And I felt like we don't get the show on the road. It's not going to happen. And we were already, our kids are already starting to move out. So I felt like it's got to happen now or it's, this is just taking forever. So. Yeah. I mean, it's, you can do it by yourself, but it's just going to be a lot slower. Yep. Exactly. You're, you're just not going to get as far. And we spent 20 years wishing and planning to buy our first rental and still hadn't bought it yet. So that was just a lot of time wasted that we could have been. And I always say this, people ask me now that like, if you could go back and do one thing differently in real estate investing specifically, I say all those years I spent as a real estate photographer, as a wedding photographer, doing my little side hustles and cottage businesses, that money should have gone to pay down payments on rentals. That is the one thing I would change rather than using it to augment the family income by taking a vacation or having the kids be able to take lessons and those things that we all want to have that maybe we need a little bit of extra income coming in to be able to justify paying for those things. I should have been putting all of that money into down payments of rentals. And in five years, those rentals could have been buying our vacations and our piano lessons. So that is the one thing I would change and probably buy a duplex and house hack the first one instead of single family. But we did well on our single family homes. All that money that we made to start this business, we made by our single family homes. So I don't regret how we did that. Probably could have gone faster if we'd done duplexes and fourplexes. But the biggest regret is that I didn't buy rentals with that side hustle money. That you didn't start sooner. Yeah. And leverage. Yep. Yeah. Because I thought I had to pay cash and it was such a big task that instead of saving up to buy a little house with cash, I instead was like, well, the kids need to go on vacation. Like they're getting older and we can't keep putting off living like no one else. It was time to just start enjoying what we earned and yeah. I should have bought rentals with it instead. Yeah. That is my issue with Dave Ramsey. Jordan <laughs> yeah, Wacy is very helpful to a lot of people, but I'm like, it doesn't, I mean, unsecured debt, yeah, that's not great. But secured debt for real estate, like using OPM to make yourself, to make money, like that's how you build wealth. Well, I feel like learning the personal discipline in managing your finances and avoiding, like you said, unsecured consumer debt is a very important lesson that he and many other financial advisors teach. And I think learning that process of budgeting and, and controlling your, because I can afford the payments, I can have it attitude. That's huge. And I think I have to give that a lot of credit for us being in the position to be able to start investing once we got over the pay cash for everything. And the thing is that debt is a scary thing, but so is any sharp tool that you're going to use. You have to use it responsibly and you have to learn how to use it. Nobody said go and over leverage, get tons of debt on everything, go crazy. It is like fire or a saw and you need to be very careful with it, but it is an important tool to your success as long as you're conservative with it. Yeah, and it can help. Yeah, it's leverage. So you can, with a lot less pressure, you can go a lot further. Yep, exactly. That's the beautiful thing about it. So you might've already answered this, but this is a question that I ask all my guests. What was your biggest mistake and what did you learn from it? That was the one thing I would do differently if I could, like I said, if I could go back, but if you're just going to talk about a mistake, two really big ones last year that were very humbling. And it's been difficult to even talk about. Like I told my husband the first time I spoke about it, I was really embarrassed. And 
when I made the mistake, I was thinking your head starts spinning all the ways you're going to solve this problem. I'm not even going to call Troy and tell him what happened. And because I, I have some solutions that I need to try first and then I'll call him and I'll tell him what almost happened, but here's how I fixed it. And the moment I had that thought, I thought you need to call him right now and you tell him what you did. Because the moment you start trying to hide those things, that was just a huge red flag that went off in my life. So I immediately called him on the phone. And basically what I did is I put earnest money down on a property before I had really done my own comps and before I had talked to my hard money lender. Because those hard money lenders have been doing this a long time and they're really good and fast at doing comps. And so I did my, I'm not good and fast at doing comps and I really hate it. Um, And that was, and the earnest money I put down and the hard money lender came back and he said, we can't lend on this because the numbers that you've provided are just not accurate. And I immediately called up the person that I had put EM down. It was non-refundable. And he was like, I'm sorry. So yeah. And I bought several houses from him before and we still have a good relationship, but I just maybe trusted his numbers too much. Put that EM down before I got feedback from the hard money lender and before I really did a thorough job on the comps. And so I call him up and I said, I lost this money. It's gone. And you know what he said? And I said, I, I was crying. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed. I'm humiliated. I didn't want to tell you. And he said, he said, well, thank you for telling me right away. And he said, and, and don't worry about it. It's only money. And I know you'll make it back. <laughs> Great attitude. Yeah. So what did you learn from that? The biggest lesson I learned was don't try to hide things. We have been involved with many of our friends this has happened multiple times over the last two decades that our friends found themselves embroiled in a Ponzi scheme because they were trying to cover up their mistake. And instead of just coming clean with their investors and saying this investment lost money, they would then pull in more money to pay back the investors. And they didn't think that they were committing a crime at the time. Several of them have served time in prison. Hiding things and being afraid of things always leads to problems. Now, me trying to hide that from my husband out of embarrassment, I wouldn't have gone to jail. That's not a crime. But that could have caused the first crack in what could have been a scary journey towards what we call financial infidelity, where you're hiding things and making financial decisions, not as a team. And it can, it can have deep cracks in the marriage. So I definitely learned that communication and accountability from that experience. And I had also made a loan of $60,000 to somebody who were still in litigation with him trying to get that return to us. Again, humiliating. On that one, I learned, you know, do your background checks thoroughly. It's like stepping over dollars to pick up pennies, pay the fee to your PI and get the background checks done. Cause they're going to turn up things. I thought I did a background check on them, but I, I didn't do a professional one. And turns out when I turned my lawyer on it, he found stuff that he would have found if I just had him paid him to do it in the first place. So do the background check and own your mistakes. Learn from them. Such good advice. Yeah. One thing I learned from Kenny McElroy, who wrote the ABCs of real estate investing, he said, share bad news. It engenders trust. So a lot of people think like, you know, if I tell them what I did, they're not going to trust me, but it's actually the opposite. If you just like share it like openly and honestly, as soon as it, it happens and though you do want to come up with like <laughs> solutions if you can, right? Like, okay. And here's what I'm going to do to fix it. Like, here's the bad news and here's what I'm doing about it. That's not a bad thing, but sometimes, you know. sometimes it's, here's what happened. I will come up with a solution. And sometimes that solution is just, I learned something from this, not to do it again. Yeah. There's no way I was going to get that EM money back. I tried for a couple of days to 
finagle it and figure out, oh, maybe I can still buy the deal. Maybe I can exit in this other way to still make money. And at the end of the day, I, I tried lots of things, but at the end of the day, all I got out of that was, you know, an expensive learning experience, but I would have spent that same money on a class or a seminar. Yeah. So it's basically a lesson that you learned and that money is spent, whether it was spent on a seminar or was spent on a mistake, it was spent and you learned. And that's really the value of it. Yeah. Which is what I tell people who are thinking about like getting an education. I was like, well, you're going to get the education either way. Yeah. <laughs> you're either going to get it at the front end or you're going to get it in the process. It's yep, a little yep. less painful on the front end, but yep, yep. you're going to get it either way. So that's good. As long as you get the lesson, then it wasn't, then it was worth it. Yep, yep. What are you most proud of your real estate investing? So in real estate investing, right now, I'm really proud of this 34 unit that we saved from the jaws of coronavirus disaster. But I'm really excited that that's turning out. But I think what I'm most proud of is the fact that I had the, I don't want to call it permission, but people telling me this is okay, go do this big thing, believing that I could do the big thing, and then going and delivering on it. So we bought our first investment home as a single family home just outside of Louisville, Kentucky in September of 2018. So right at the end of the year and that first unit between then and now, which has been what a year and a half, once we close on this Arkansas deal, we'll be at 92 units. And so I'm really proud of that. And people will say, Oh, you're crushing it. I don't feel like I'm crushing it. I really don't feel like I'm, I even worked that many hours. But yet sometimes you turn around and look at what you've accomplished and you can say, wow, look what I just did. So I am, I am really proud of that. People say a lot of things, but sometimes it never happens. So yeah. I feel like it, it, we actually made it happen. You should be proud. And to what do you attribute your success? Being a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> In what way? <laughs> okay, I'll tell you a quick story. With my partners on, on one of my deals, our other partner is a very optimistic person, sometimes so optimistic that we need to tone it down a little and get a little more real. And he said, but I feel like with you, um, you're very negative. And so I need to help you to be more positive. And I said, what? I'm negative? Are you really? And because I, I was being maybe a little too real, a little too raw, this business is up and down. You'll wake up in the morning to a bad email and you're like, this deal is going to fall apart. And I should just go get a job. And, and then by that night, you figured it out. You went back, you talked to the seller, you talked to the property manager, you talked to whoever, and you solved the problem. So it's up and down, up and down, up and down. And I was sharing all of that. And I would, was really closing that fifth unit was much harder than closing this coronavirus one, even though there was no coronavirus. It took us six months. And at so many points along the way, it looked like we were going to lose that deal. And I finally told him, I said, look, if I was a negative person, I wouldn't be doing any of this because I wouldn't believe that it was even possible. She is goes out and says, I'm going to buy a hundred units this year when I haven't had any experience. So that independent streak and that believing that I can do things that most people think you're crazy to even think about or try means that I'm, I am a very optimistic person, but yeah, there are good days and bad days and good hours and bad hours. And I was just being pretty raw and open about how I was feeling. And I, it was coming across as negativity. But at the end of the day, the reason that we've done anything that we've done is because we're optimistic and believe that we can do these crazy things that most everybody else is like, wow, you guys must be really risk tolerant. Are you guys crazy? So, you know, what do they say? Boring women never made history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Something like that. I can't remember yeah. Springer. Yeah. yeah. So mindset, women, I think. 
something like that. I think the belief is step one, but you have to have nuts and bolts, but the belief is actually more important because otherwise you'll just give up. Yeah. So yeah. And like a couple of things you said, and they're similar to my story. Sometimes you don't even know things are possible. Right. Uh So like with Dave Ramsey, he had said like, there's this possibility of being a landlord. You're like, Oh, that's possible. Then you went to the RIA and you heard about real estate invest, uh, like multifamily. You're like, oh, wait, that's possible? Which is why I'm excited about this show because I hope that as people are out there listening to your experience and the experience of all the women I interview, they go, wait, that's possible. Like, she's done it. She's done it. She's doing this. She's doing that. Like, that's possible for me because it's all possible. It's so possible. And if I'd known it was possible 20 years ago, I would have done it 20 years ago. I'm fundamentally the same person. I'm, I hope I'm better than I was 20 years ago, but some of those same character traits that have made me be able to do this now I had back when I was 25 or 35, I could have done it back then. Yeah, I just didn't oh. know it was a thing. I did listen to rich dad, poor dad. And I heard all that other people's money. I was like, Oh, that's risky. I don't want to other people's money, millions of dollars in debt. Like, no, thank you. So he told me it was possible, but I was like, I'm going to do it the Dave Ramsey way. So (laughs) it wasn't like I didn't know that. I just rejected it. So I guess maybe believing it or agreeing with it is the next step after mindset. Yeah. Because I'm happily millions of dollars in debt. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, yeah, I'm millions and millions of dollars in debt. That's cool. Your debt, but that's making me money. Asset debt. Exactly. What advice do you have for a woman just starting out in this field? I was just talking about this to somebody yesterday because I find I'm having the same phone conversation over and over again with people who are trying to lever up into multifamily or to just get started straight into it either way. And I keep telling them the same things over and over again. I think eventually I got to write this down. The first thing I think is read a couple of really good books, devour some podcasts on the topic, really look for the free material on YouTube, Udemy, iTunes, those types of places. You'll probably identify with one of the content creators who, and he'll have a pay for product that really fits your business. Really consume that person's free material because you'll find that what you're paying for in the class is not secrets. I wish nobody would ever call a class secrets of doing anything. There are no secrets. It's all for free on the internet. So understand that what you're buying when you're buying that kind of an education program is that it's being curated into a digestible format. And so you can get through it more quickly. It's the same content. They're probably giving away for free on their YouTube channel. So just dive into that. And when you're ready to pay for the product, you'll really know that person very well. And you'll know if that's going to be a good fit for you. Don't go around buying, overbuying. I definitely think you should pay for education. Like I said, you're either going to make mistakes and pay for it, or you're going to buy education and you'll probably still make mistakes. But just having somebody that you can call (laughs) a network of people to ask questions to, and some of those are free and some of those are paid that's fine. Just make sure you consume the free content. On multifamily specifically, I really like Lance Edwards' Big Money in Small Apartments. It comes in audio or PDF. Just read through that. It's a lot of mindset and a lot of technique. And then you've got Joe Fairless's Big Book Syndication book. And that's very nuts and bolts. It's like a reference manual. That's always good to have under your belt or on your desk if you have a question. And then here's the big thing. Find what you're willing to do that other people aren't willing to do. And we hear that a lot, but what we tend to interpret that means is go do something that is really difficult and you think sucks. And that's not what that means. What is it that you like doing that maybe other people hate doing? 
Maybe you like cold calling, door knocking, sending out mailers, raising money. Maybe you like doing those things, or at least you don't mind them and you're good at them. Other people aren't willing to do it because other people don't like it, but you do. So don't feel like you have to go out there and make this a big grind and make it like, oh, you know, pound this. If you hate it, you're going to procrastinate it and you probably won't be very good at it. So find what you are willing to do that other people are unwilling to do. And there's a whole list of them. I just listed what, four or five of them. There are more. Find something hard that for you isn't that hard and then build your business around that strength. Such good advice. What do you wish you'd known at the beginning that you now know? I don't believe in good debt and bad debt. All debt is scary debt, but there is powerful debt and debt that can be used as a tool and learn how to wield that tool. So they call it leverage because you're levering yourself up into something better. So use debt as a powerful, scary tool. (laughs) Use it wisely. And I just wish I had learned that sooner. The other thing I wish I'd learned sooner, and it's part of debt is other people's money, meaning private equity, raising capital, networking with people and talking to them about it. So I walked in on this work from home meeting that my husband was in the other day. And I just, I walked into the conversation and somebody was saying to him, well, Troy, we can't all be real estate moguls like you. (laughs) And without missing a beat, he said, oh, sure you can. You don't even really have to have that much money. You just have to convince other people to buy real estate with their money and let you run it. (laughs) (laughs) So leveraging people and leveraging their money as private equity, just start talking to everybody. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, what you're doing. People will say no, but people will start coming to you and saying, hey, I would like to get into this. Can you help me? And eventually those people will turn into the people who just say, just take this and you you just go do it because they realize it's hard or they don't want to do it. So those people become the people who invest with you. So but go back and what I wish I'd known at the beginning, use debt and learn how to talk to other people about using their money. Yeah. Opportunity for them. You are not doing a sales job. You are not begging. It's not multi-level marketing. You are providing them an opportunity that most people don't even know they have access to. Yeah. You are letting people know that this is how I think about it. I mean, I I have investors coming to me at this point, but it's like without them having to do work, you're going to grow their money. That's the same reason why people invest in stocks, right? They're putting it into a business that they hope will grow. And it's the same, except it's a real estate business and has tax. And it's, you know, and they're like better business, better opportunities, I think, than with the stocks, but that's it. So it's an opportunity that you're offering people. And that's, it's not like they're giving you their money. They're trusting you with their money, but Well, it's kind of like going back to what we were talking about at the beginning. When somebody tells you, you can do this thing, that this thing exists and you think, wow, I wish I'd known this before. How many people that you think that would invest money with you would be grateful that they have that opportunity and that they didn't know that they could even do that before you told them. So think of it more like that and learn how to talk to people about using their money. And that's probably the biggest one right there. I was blown away when I found out that syndication existed. Uh Uh-huh. You can like... That was what I was like, it killed me that I didn't know that like myself 20 years earlier. Yeah. Oh my God. Like I could have gotten so much further. Passively. Yeah. Right. You know, like anyway. So awesome. It is time for our famed end of show Trinity, which is our brag, gratitude and desire. Before I do that though, how can people reach out to you and find out more about what you do? 
So I've been feeling a little discouraged lately because everybody's like, oh, the downturn is coming. And how do you prepare for downturn? Pile up cash. I'm like, I don't have any cash. I ran out of cash. What am I going to do? And my husband said, use other people's cash. Like, oh yeah, yeah. That was our our business plan this year. I, I forgot. And, or I guess I wasn't thinking about it in those terms. And so my main goal right now is I want people to reach out. I, so I built a website to kind of educate people on investing their money passively in real estate through joint ventures or syndications, joint ventures, not as passive. So that's at www.highrise.group. And that has information about me, some of the things we've worked on this last year and a half, two years, and our portfolio, just general information about investing in multifamily. And so you can go there and and there's a a form you can fill out if you want to schedule a call with me, a 15 minute or hour call, uh, fill out an investor interest form, all sorts of things you can do there. So just get in touch with me. And then I'm Emma Powell 28 at LinkedIn and Facebook. Okay. And I spend a lot of time on both those platforms. So you can always get a hold of me through Messenger, through LinkedIn or Facebook. Beautiful. So now time for your Trinity. What is one thing you're celebrating right now? What's your brag? This getting the 34 units across the finish line. Last Thursday, I thought it wasn't going to close. And today we've got closing dates. So, you know. I saw that you bragged that on our in the real estate investor classes. Excited about that. Yeah. Awesome. And what is one thing you're grateful for? Real estate or just life in general? Be life in general. Well, I watched Mr. Rogers movie on the plane on the way home from Little Rock a couple weeks ago. And that's one thing down there that struck me is this is, do you know what the most important thing to me in the world is? And the caller said, no. And Mr. Rogers said, it's talking to you on the phone right now. And I feel like that moment of appreciating moments and whatever you're doing right now is the most important thing that you could possibly be doing. Otherwise you would be doing something else. So right now I am really grateful that I'm talking to you and I hopefully can meet some new people through this because that's what I'm doing right now. And just being grateful for every moment. Hmm, Beautiful. And you were flying two weeks ago. Yeah. I had to wear a mask, (laughs) but we did it. I ran into my partner on a layover, I walked into the, what do you call that area where you sit and wait? I was walking in, I had my mask on and, and I see this guy making eye contact with me and he's, he goes, Emma? And I pull my mask down. It was my partner. We just happened to be catching the same flight in a Little Rock. That was the first time we met in person. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't, I barely left my house in eight, eight weeks. <laughs> All right. And last but certainly not least, what's one thing you desire? Financial independence, retire early. I am so ready to become a hundred percent passive investor and doing some slow travel, going sitting on a beach in Albania or Portugal and having my husband us be able to just maybe do some part-time work online and just wander around the country, go stay two, three months near each family member. That is the goal. hundred percent passive with a little part-time shtick for each of us and just slow down and enjoy life a lot more. That is what drives me right now. Love it. So shall your desire be or so much better than you can imagine. Thank you. You're you too. welcome. Thank you. This was awesome. So y'all, you can reach Emma at high rise group. Wait, high, high, high rise dot group. Yep. And you can find me at REI goddesses on all the socials and www.com reigoddesses.com. There you can join our investor club and get on the list to find out about our passive investing opportunities and syndications. So definitely join us there and join our 
private group on Facebook. A lot of amazing women like Emma in there. And also, yeah, subscribe and follow and like and five star and all the good stuff. <laughs> and all, and all of the things. <laughs> I also do have a Facebook group. It's kind of a matchmaking service between active and passive investors. So if you have a deal and you're looking for investors and you can legally solicit them, pop in there. Or if you are a passive investor, would like to do more passive investing like I do, that's my goal to actually transition over into that. Pop in there and just talk to some of the operators and see if you can find a good deal that fits your risk profile. And we just get in there and try and get people together. There's plenty of money to go around. I just want to facilitate people getting together and having these conversations and finding good deals that work for them, either on the active or the passive side. Amazing. All right. So uh, yeah, connect with Emma for that. All right. Thanks everybody. And catch us next time for another amazing real estate investor goddess interview. Bye-bye. Thanks, Monique. You have just listened to another episode of Real Estate Investor Goddesses, a show dedicated to sharing stories of women creating real wealth through real estate. If you found value on what you just heard, feel free to share with your friends. Visit us at reigoddesses.com to learn more about our programs and live events, as well as to access other resources. Until next time.